is episode four of the Let's Talk Surgery podcast for RCS Ed. Uh, I am your host, Gregory Carter, and I'm joined again by my friend, Ceci. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm all right. Thanks. Uh, so today we've got a really, really important guest, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had two of the three stooges. We had Professor Michael Griffin, and Professor Rowan Parks, President and Vice President of the College. And today we are delighted to bring you the third, uh, Pala Rajesh, Vice President, Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh. On the episode, uh, Ceci, I know you've worked very closely with him. Uh, how excited are you about this? I'm really excited. Um, he, as in my time as a Scottish Clinical Leadership Fellow, he's already given me so much time and advice and his journey through medicine is absolutely fantastic. He's done so much work um, for cardiothoracic training and for the college and I'm really Don't excited. Don't be a spoiler, Ceci. Don't be a spoiler. He's going <laughs> to well, come on and talk about I'm it. I'm very so excited. He comes on. I'm very excited. Well, contain yourself, Ceci. Contain <laughs> yourself. Um, right, everyone, welcome uh, Paula Rajesh to the episode. Paula, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, this morning. And how are you and Sissy doing? Uh, I am well, thanks. We're fine, thank you. Uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. I think uh, the one thing I would say is, having been the clinical leadership fellow for the college uh, last year, the one regret I have taken away is the fact that you and I did not have many conversations and I didn't get a chance to work with you closely. Um, but I'm hoping that still being affiliated with the college moving forward, we will get an opportunity uh, to sit down over a virtual coffee or a whiskey and actually get to uh, have a conversation. Uh, but it's, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the episode today. Um, you might have listened to some of our previous episodes. We've got a set format and we'll stick to that. Um, some of the questions you will get uh, will be personal and uncomfortable, but I will keep that to a minimum. Um, but we, we like to start by getting to know you better. So if I just have an open question uh, to the general public, fellows, members, affiliates and others, particularly in the UK and, and abroad, who is Pala Rajesh? Well, I am um, Pala Rajesh. I graduated from the Madras Medical College, uh, which was then Madras, but has now been um, changed to Chennai. Um, I came to the United Kingdom in 1976 uh, to start my postgraduate training. Now, why did I come to the United Kingdom? And that is because My college um, has a strong link with Scotland. My school had strong links with the Church of Scotland, the Scottish Kirk. I went to the Madras Christian College High School and went to the Madras Christian College before I went to the Madras Medical College. So I was a real, you know, Madrasi, if you like. I came here on the advice of my professors who had all received their fellowships from the College of Surgeons of Edinburgh. So that was the start of my journey. 
I struggled uh, in my initial years trying to get to know the system in the United Kingdom. Uh, I was in the Northeast, like um, uh, Mike Griffin, uh, and I completed my um, initial training there. I got my fellowship in the what was then surgery in general. And then I went on to do my cardiothoracic training. I completed my cardiothoracic training, did a little stint in the United States, and went back to India to practice in 1991. Um, however, due to family um, restraints, constraints, my children not uh, settling in uh, India, I returned back in 1992 and continued my uh, training, got my uh, fellowship in cardiothoracic surgery and was appointed in Birmingham as a consultant thoracic surgeon, where I spent 23 years uh, and um, recently retired because I had to do this onerous job of being the vice president of the college. Uh, I have two children. Um, my son is a banker. He is the managing director of for Middle East and North Africa in the city group in London. My daughter is a journalist. She used to work for the Week magazine, um, but due to having two little children who are the apples of my eyes, um, she has taken a break, but she's authored two books um, and then I unashamedly want to advertise them. One is <laughs> called around India and 80 trains, and the other is around uh, the world in 80 trains, um, which she has been successful with. So that's my story. My wife is a general practitioner. She was a year behind me in medical school. So you can understand that we came to England together, which meant that we were not an arranged marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I think um, I think your story is one of of inspiration. It's one that is relatable to a lot of um, of, of the college members and and fellows across the piece, not just uh, in Scotland but also in England. And it's also interesting to hear about uh, your early years and the struggle. Um, and we may well touch on that a little bit about how you overcame that and what support you had, etc. But we can delve into that. What you haven't mentioned is that you were the first Indian Vice President of the Royal College. Did you just slip that out? <laughs> well, um, I, I was surprised really because when uh, I knew that there were a few Indians um, in the positions in office bearers, I knew that there was a secretary to the college, um, uh, but I didn't realize that in the 515 year history, of the oldest surgical college in the world, I was the first of Indian origin to be elected as a vice president. And I think that was a huge um, pressure really, because what we need to understand is that we have now opened the doors for others like me to follow. You know, th th there is a um, <clears throat> general complacency uh, from people um, of my um, ethnic minority to think that this is not attainable. 
but everybody who's listening today, let me tell you that nothing is impossible. We need to be part of Britain today. You know, we need to be there. We need to be represented and we need our voice to be heard because we do form a huge part of the surgical community, not just in the United Kingdom, but all over the world. And I'm proud to say that. The audience can't see is Sassy and I smiling away as you speak and nodding away because you're truly an inspiration. Um, and it speaks to the man, speaks to the work you've done in the college. Um, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you being part of the college, but also sharing your experience and your time uh, with Sassy and I, but also with the wider audience. So we thank you for that. Um, very quick one for me. How was retirement? What have you found uh, to do with your time apart from the well, Baby Center? <laughs> Actually, um... Greg, I'm working harder than when I was. They uh, always say that. <laughs> practice. I, I, I mean that. I didn't realize that this job was so onerous. And I didn't realize that Mike would actually whip me with putting so many things together in um, what is a finite period of time. We've just got 36 months to, um, you know, do all of the things which are our aspirations. You know, um, and Mike's an extremely passionate guy and Ron's a perfectionist. And, you know, the three of us uh, need to shape the college for you guys, because it's for you that we need to do all of these things. You know, it's for the next generation. Uh, we are not even the now people. You know, Mike and I are the past. Ron is the now and you're the future. You know, so we, we've got to make sure that whatever we, we do over the our tenure, it has to be tangible, it has to be measurable, and we need to make sure that we leave a legacy of education, assessment, and professional standards of our college, our oldest surgical college in the world, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Excellent to hear. Um, quick fire questions. I will start with some easy ones and I've saved the <laughs> most contentious one to the last. So first, cardiothoracics. Why cardiothoracics? Of all the specialties in the surgical curriculum, colorectal is one of them, but you went for cardiothoracics. <laughs> Why? You see, now this is, this is quite an emotional question, Greg, you know, and I'll have to bear my heart. You see, I lost my father at the age of 12. And my, father's, my father was a, was a doctor, he was a radiologist, and he was 44 when he passed away. And I was 12. And the person who certified him was a very good friend of my father, and I knew him very well. And he wrote coronary thrombosis as the cause of death. I didn't know what coronary thrombosis was, and when I found out, I decided that I have to follow in his footsteps as a doctor, and I have to become a cardiothoracic surgeon. I, I didn't even know what cardiothoracic surgery meant. I said, I have to become a heart doctor. I need to find out why it happened to him. Because I had lost my mom at the age of three. So now I was on my own. So that was the beginning of my journey. <clears throat> 
And when I finished medical school, I realized that there wasn't um, an open heart department in my medical school, and it was early days for cardiothoracic surgery. So my mentor, who was a professor of neurosurgery, my father's very good friend, sent me to England. And that was the start of my journey. And I wanted to do cardiac surgery under no circumstances would I change my mind. Thank you for sharing that vulnerability moment and, and telling us about that. Uh, I forgive you for not being a colorectal surgeon. I think you are <laughs> you are definitely a treasure to the specialty of cardiothoracic, so that's fine. I suppose if we had an alternative universe where you decided cardiothoracic was not for you, what else would you do with your life, medicine or otherwise? My second choice was plastic surgery because I was good in um, art in school and I always liked to make things look better. Um, and so I was very keen on reconstructive surgery and um, surgical oncology because at, at home in India, we had lots of oral cancers and to do those reconstructions, which I watched some of the professors in my medical school um, performing was amazing. So that was my second choice. The one thing I took out of that is, is you saying you like to make things better. And I'm pretty sure we'll come on to hearing about what you've done to make the international aspect of our college much better. And I think you've just held true to that through the years. One more thing, inspirations past or present. I think you've touched on some of it with regards to how you chose cardiothoracics as a specialty. But if you had one, one thing that was your biggest inspiration uh, growing up through your career and today, what would it be? I think the inspiration um, during my uh, training in this country where three people during my hard yard years in cardiothoracic surgery. The first was Mr. Desmond Taylor in Sheffield, who you know, taught me that nothing was impossible. He took me through all of the really, really difficult operative procedures and stood opposite to me with a smile and said, you make it look easy. And the next person was Professor Jeffrey Smith, who nurtured me in the University of Sheffield. And the third person was Mr. Andrew Thorpe. I mean, he was amazing. He, he um, you know, made cardiothoracic surgery look like it was a breeze. I still remember doing my first cardiac transplant with him and Professor Jeffrey Smith watching over both of us um, and, you know, that, that's, that's left a huge, um, you know, impression in my life that I could actually put in a heart in somebody's chest and see that person smile and leave the hospital. So, you know, that was my inspiration. So I respect colorectal surgery, but I don't <laughs> think I can take a colon out and stick it back into somebody else. <laughs> Touche, touche, except we don't need to, but we, we, won't, we won't go into that. You win, you win on that. <laughs> Thanks, you've come on my podcast. <laughs> Great. Um, 
final question for me is um, before before I go into that, I must say that we all have preconceived, or I certainly have uh, preconceived ideas of what a cardiothoracic surgeon would be uh, in terms of approach and and application. And I must say that you are defying all of my preconceived ideas as to what a cardiothoracic surgeon was. And if I had this conversation with you as a fourth or fifth year medical student, or even as an FY1 or a core trainee, um, I think the inspiration to do something different may well happen there. So I am profoundly jealous of the trainees that have got a chance to work with you, um, but I am also happy to be a colorectal surgeon. Final question for me. When Rowan Parks was on the podcast, we put it to him that Noah's Ark uh, was going to happen again. So Noah's Ark is back again, and there's only one spot left on the on the boat. And your options are Mike Griffin or Rowan Parks. Who would you let on? <laughs> I mean, that's an amazing question. You know, I mean, oh my God! I think the left half of Mike Griffin and the right half of Rowan Parks. I would say. <laughs> Uh, I'm afraid Noah says that's not an option. It's going to be the whole part of one of them, and both of them are listening. So good luck. <laughs> you see now, it, it, oh my God, you put me in a spot. You know, I, I'll plead to Noah, saying that Noah, please let me have both of them on. He says no. He says no. Well, if if that is the case, then I think I'll have Mike on because Mike's full of banter, and I can pull his legs. Whereas Rowan is um, more of a gentleman. And I don't think Mike and I are gentlemen because we... Um... No, I'll stop there. I think I'll... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the brilliance of this is when Rowan Parks had a choice between two, one of his mentors and a friend, he chose to give up his place and put them both on the boat. And you have just <laughs> chucked them off and put them in the water. That is brilliant. <laughs> I'm sure he'll forgive you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rowan. <laughs> My goodness, that was absolutely fantastic. And what an inspiration you are. Um, I already knew little bits of your story, but the wealth of emotion and experience that you've brought and shared with us on the podcast, I feel truly honored to be here witnessing it. So thank you so much. Now, going into maybe more of the meat or the business side of this podcast, we would be so interested to hear about the International College. Um, as um, some of our listeners may know, there was an International College strategy that was released last year. And of course, the office in Kuala Lumpur has been open now for about two years. So what sort of things went into conceptualizing and bringing this to fruition? Ceci, um, <clears throat> I've always been involved with a lot of international work for the college since, you know, 2011. Um, but then le let me go back to 1999. Um, I was uh, the recipient of, of the Otto Sucha uh, Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh Minimal Access Surgery Award. So it, this was in three phases. Um, the first phase was to go away to a country of your choice to learn new techniques um, and come back. And the second phase was to um, institute it in your own organization, which, which I did in Birmingham. And the third phase was to go away 
to the developing world and set up a video assisted thoracic unit. So I did all of those things. The first phase was in the United States. Then I came back and set up a video assisted unit in Birmingham um, and introduced a lot of new procedures through minimal access in thoracic surgery. And then I went off to Malaysia to set up a, a video assisted thoracic surgery in the Institute Jantung Nigara in Kuala Lumpur. So that gave me an idea of what working in an international unit meant in Southeast Asia. So when I be, was on council um, in 2014, the then president, Ian Ritchie, wanted me to go to Malaysia and help them with setting up a cardiothoracic training program with the um, Ministry of Health. And I thought it was a joke because I didn't think that anybody would um, want to um, engage with uh, a college and put this whole thing together because Malaysia is an extremely complex country. They've got all sorts of nuances. So I took my great mate, Tim Graham, because um, he is a process-oriented individual and he calls a spade a spade. So yep. both of us went out there and we got things together we put in a training program, which was which mirrored what happened in the UK. We started a national selection process. We started a competency training program. We put together a training um, directorate. We were involved in appointing all of these people. And this program is gonna to come to fruition next year when the first group of candidates will complete and take their exit examination. And I think that was fantastic. So that led me to believe that I would be in a position to um, talk to people, engage with people, embrace them and bring them together to fulfill the college's international ambition. And when we got appointed, Mike turned around to me and said, Raj, we need an international strategy. And that took me nine months to get people together in the college, to put things you know, together after the survey was done, and then to go out to Kuala Lumpur last year and launch our international strategy. And I think you know, that has been um, one of the best achievements thus far of my tenure as the vice president. Each time I think that you have reached the limit of your awesomeness, you bring in an extra layer by saying something else that you've done for the college. And I'm sure our listeners are so privileged to hear all the things that you've done so far. So thank you. Um, from the international strategy, what do you think is the most important message that the fellows and the members can take away from that? I think the most important message um, I would like to um, <clears throat> give today to all of the international community which is listening is that you are part of the college. It's your input which is necessary for us to take things forward together. And during the time of COVID, 
I've had amazing um, conversations with people from all over the world during the international webinars. So please help the college by helping yourselves because you are all bits of the college all over the world. I'm sure they, like myself, feel very involved and um, very included with by your statements. So um, talking more about um, the International School of Surgery, it's done a lot in terms of outreach and education over the years so far. Would you mind letting our listeners know what exactly the International Office does and offers to its fellows and members? We, okay, Ceci, the, when we did the survey, we found that the 45% um, of the college's uh, membership and fellowship is overseas. And out of that 45%, which is almost 15,000 members and fellows, a major chunk are in Southeast Asia, in Singapore, in Hong Kong, Malaysia, and in India. So to have a office in that region was felt to be the best thing at that time. So the office is a conduit for the college in Edinburgh to make contacts, to find out what the needs and aspirations are for fellows, for regional societies and for the ministries of health in those areas to collect the information, inform us so that we can then do the appropriate thing for each of those areas. So that, if you like, is the role of the international office. Now, we also have international surgical ambassadors in all of these areas, and we've extended now to the uh, other continents of Australia to the Americas and the Caribbean. So what we need to do is to expand. And by expanding, what do I want to achieve as a vision for the college with Mike and Rowan is to enhance, excel, and engage. That sounds Absolutely fantastic and leads me very nicely on to my next question. The college has been involved in bringing international graduates from overseas in the International Postgraduate Deanery Programme. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and for those of our listeners who might be interested once all the COVID pandemic drama has died down a bit? Sure. You see, the college has had experience of facilitating overseas graduates for over 20 years, 20 to 25 years. Um, during, and we, we had what is called the international um, postgraduate, I think it was called the IMG, the International Medical Graduate Scheme. During Ian Ritchie's time, he felt that what we needed to have is a more accountable scheme where the college should have a role of monitoring the training. And with his help, we set up what was called the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh's International Fellowship Surgical Program. 
that was a pilot scheme and we found that with a um, certain amount of structure put in with continuous monitoring put in and also allowing the candidates a two-year program at the end of which they were given a certificate or if they were exceptional allowed to take the exit examinations in the uk was something that we instituted now we have strict eligibility criteria for candidates who wish to come and they can undergo a period of training commencing one year extendable for a further year and my right hand person is Stuart Clark, who is the Dean of the International Postgraduate Deanery. And the person who is uh, in charge of the scheme is Jeannie Hislop Parsons, who is an exceptional individual who has made um, uh, the IPD a extremely friendly place for the overseas graduates to um, make their applications through the website. You're absolutely right. I know certainly from my time working within the Scottish Government that international medical graduates through the IMTF and the MTI uh, programs were a priority in the pre-COVID era and I'm sure as we work through the COVID pandemic and subsequently these um, programs will be reinstated. Uh, I know in Scotland there is the International Recruitment Service which the Scottish Government is working with along with uh, NES, our National Education for Scotland, uh, to centralise and put a framework around these international medical graduates uh, where we create this two-way working relationship of providing excellent training opportunities for uh, these international medical graduates whilst also getting the benefit of some service provision and i'm sure there will be a similar scheme uh, down south absolutely you've talked a lot about um, the international office and the international work that you're doing and it's absolutely astounding i personally don't know how you find enough hours in the day to do all the work you do but you do There have been recent appeals by the college to the Home Office concerning the coronavirus pandemic and its effect on overseas doctors in the NHS, first on their healthcare and also on their immigration status. Do you have any comments on what the college has been doing on that front? I was um, rung up by Jeannie Hislop Parsons some four months ago uh, regarding this issue. She said that the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges um, were not pushing hard enough with the Department of Health to do something for the overseas uh, graduates who are here on the MTI scheme. And I asked um, Jeannie, what exactly do you think we need to do? So she said, we really need to help them by saying that they should have an extension of their visa because there's so much of uncertainty. The training has, you know, the the surgical training has actually stopped. They've been redeployed to areas um, where they are not familiar with. And therefore, we need to write a strong letter. So Jeannie articulated a letter, which I looked at, 
And then I, I spoke to Mike, who uh, agreed with us, and we sent off a letter to the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges. Now, the medical, the AOMRC, for um, a variety of reasons, had put together some of their thoughts and sent our letter through as well. And they acknowledged the fact that our letter from the College of Surgeons of Edinburgh helped the AOMRC to request the um, Department of Health and the Home Office to extend the stay of all of these uh, overseas graduates. So from at least a small part which we played, the whole of the overseas community who are here with their um, families were given extensions. And I thought that that was a huge achievement as far as um, college and particularly Jeannie was concerned. Well, that, that's absolutely amazing. And as an immigrant doctor myself, I understand how challenging it can sometimes be struggling with immigration while trying to do a good job at the same time. So mm -hmm. I'm re really appreciative of that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are too. Thanks, Paula. So I was going to ask you this question earlier on, but uh, I, I didn't. So I'll ask you now, what's your favorite uh, book that you've read in the last two years? The favorite book <clears throat> that I've read in the last two years is by William Dalrymple. And this is a book um, which uh, informs people about the East India Company. And Greg, I was overawed. William Dalrymple um, talks about a Indian history, which nobody has taught me during my school days and might stay in the United Kingdom. And I presented a copy of this book to uh, Mike. Yeah. And the other book which I um, really enjoyed was My Daughter's Travels. It's called Around the World in 80 Trains. Uh, and it's a fascinating book. That, so my question was a setup. My question was a setup. Uh, I'd asked you five questions, four questions previously. This was question number five. Uh, you had failed in the last question where you let uh, Rowan uh, stay off Noah's Ark. And this time I was hoping you would say that your favorite book at the moment was Around the World in 80 Trains by Manisha Rajesh, but you didn't. But that's okay. <laughs> you redeemed yourself. That was your second favorite book. The final question for me really is about what the future holds for you. So we've talked a lot around uh, a lot of the work that you've done recently uh, in your, well, historically, but also in, in the recent time as vice president. Uh, moving forward for the rest of your term, what are your visions for uh, the college, both on the international front and otherwise? I, I think we have um, been extremely busy during this COVID period. We have reached out to our trainees. We have reached out to our um, perioperative care practitioners. And we've also reached out to the international community. And we've done this through the webinars. And I think we've learned a lot through the, the platform. We, I believe that we will change the way we train, the way we examine, and the way we interact with um, our international partners. So that is an exciting change, um, which will be um, 
coordinated with the um, council, the office bearers, and the senior management team of the college. So that's an exciting time. The, as far as the international arena is concerned, again, to try and learn from the international partners how they are um, administering their own examination processes, if we can bring back some of the stuff from them. Um, the COSEXA is running their examinations in January. I was meant to be there with Mike, but we um, have been told that these exams are going to be essentially online. So there'll be a learning process over there. But the last bit that I saved for the best is the first Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh International Conference in Chennai in September 2021. That will be the zenith of my tenure as a vice president of the college. We will work together to make that conference happen. And that conference will involve all the 10 surgical specialties, all the faculties of the college, the faculty of dental uh, <clears throat> surgery, and it will showcase the college as an unique surgical education assessment and professional standards institution to the world. I think in, in a period where uncertainty is the order of the day, there is one thing I am certain about. This will be a conference to remember, and I really hope we are invited to it. Uh, and I have no doubt it will be a success. And uh, if there's anything we can do to help facilitate that, and I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast closer to the time, and we might even have a live episode from from there. It's something to look forward to, and, and I'm absolutely delighted that you've shared your time with us uh, on this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you a bit better. been also a pleasure watching you to be a little bit uncomfortable in checking your mate off the boat, but also just listening to your experiences and hearing that passion and enthusiasm that's that exudes when you speak. It's It's been an honor. And um, I'm sure Cecil will feel the same. I do. Thank you so much. And I was going to say, it sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, what an honor to have you on here. And I mirror everything that my co-host has just said. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you very much. What an absolute legend. Paula, thanks for your time. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. What an amazing individual. Um, it's always fascinated at the the quality of individuals that we have and we're we're pleased to have in the college you know we've had mike and rowan on the show we've had david and david um pala i mean great great human being uh lots lots of inspiration coming out of him isn't it yeah um absolutely honored to have spent this small time we've had with him and i really can't wait to have more people come on our podcast he's such an inspiration and really looking forward to all the things he's going to do for the college yeah absolutely uh so to our audience out there any comments or, or questions uh, either to Paolo or to our previous guests you know how to reach us on comms that's c-o-m-m-s for sugar at rcsed.ac.uk would love to hear from you and we'll start to read out some messages from our audience in future podcasts uh so next week Cecil, we've got something slightly different um 
no guests on the show next week. It's just going to be you and I uh, recapping what's been what we've been up to, but also looking forward to uh, future episodes and some of the guests we've coming along. Yeah, it's going to be exciting just to wind down a bit and just have a general chat. So looking forward to that too. Yeah, great. Well, I'm off to set my FRCS. Uh, hope you have a great week, guys, and we will speak to you uh, next week. Okay, bye guys. Bye.